Okay, can we have the first slide of today's message? This feels like a, a shocking jolt from where we've just been to an image of Harry Kane in midair. I don't know how many of you folks were watching uh, this week. It was a good week for English football as uh, the England squad were in their World Cup qualifiers and they managed to beat Albania 5-0. 5-0. And Harry Kane scored a hat-trick in the first half. And Tottenham fans all up and down the land are saying, why does he not do that in the Premiership? <laughs> and... Um, there is no answer. Let's face it, there is no answer to that one. But I want you to think this morning with me, what do you think the best possible score could have been for England if they had actually just played in their own half? If their, if their team had decided, we're not going past the halfway line, we're going to stay on our side of the pitch, and we're not going over into that enemy territory. What's, what do you reckon the best possible scoreline could have been? Nil-nil, yeah? Like, they'd have done well to come away with nil-nil if that was the way they had played. Nobody would ever dream of playing football that way. No one would ever dream of, of playing any team sport where you just keep yourself in that safe zone. You keep yourself behind enemy lines, far away from the goal, suppose there's a possibility that someone could have shot from the halfway line and the keeper could have completely fumbled it and maybe a goal would have gone in. But let's face it, especially with Harry Kane, that's really unlikely. Yeah? I'm making friends with the sound team. I expect Steve is going to turn me off at any moment here. But we wouldn't dream of playing that way. But for us as Christians... When it comes to the way we live our lives, when it comes to the way that we uh, engage with our adversary, so often we play it super safe. We're very good at staying in our own half. We're very good at doing the stuff that, that keeps us comfortable and that actually doesn't expose us to any risk whatsoever. We're very good at the natural, but God invites us to step in to the supernatural. He invites us to engage with the unseen realm and not just keep ourselves nice and cozy within the realm of the seen, what we, you know, what we see with our eyes, what we can reach out and touch. Because as this well-known scripture says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world. And it goes on to talk about the fact that he has given us spiritual weapons with which to wage warfare. And one of those mighty spiritual weapons that he has given us is the weapon of prayer. And we've, we've spent some time praying this morning. We've, we've heard about, you know, we had a prayer meeting here as a church family on Friday night. And when you pray, when we pray, we step across the halfway line. We step out of the seen realm and we engage with the unseen realm. It's the same when we worship because scripture tells us that worship is warfare. There's that beautiful story in 2 Chronicles 20 where um, the army of Israel are going out to battle, but they send the worship team in front. Now, unless you really don't like your worship team, I don't recommend that, but the worship team went out first and the whole 
other army got sent into chaos. They descended into chaos because God, our God, rides on the top of worship. And he brings victories to his people as our hearts engage in the supernatural. And it's exactly like that when we pray. It can feel naturally like a complete waste of time. How many of us sometimes pray at home by ourselves and we think, well, that was pointless. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in that camp. Sometimes it doesn't feel glorious. But that's because we're engaging with the unseen. We're engaging with something we cannot reach out and measure and touch. But he invites us to pray. He invites us to be a people who engage in that way. Now, I've got my laptop here because I want to do something really practical. But my Wi-Fi signal is misbehaving and um, it's giving me a bit of trouble. So while I see if I can hook in one last time, I want you to close your eyes and we're going to pray. Okay? We're going to pray for like 10 seconds. That's all. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to bring someone to mind. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, right now, will you bring to mind someone who needs your touch? Amen. Now, just give me a little wave if someone came to your mind. Give me a little wave if you just refuse to do what you're told this morning and you're not going to comply. Now, don't, don't give me a wave. That's fine. So someone is in your mind in this moment. And I wonder whether you'd be up for this. What I want to send you, but it's not going to work because I've got no internet connection that's working. I was going to send everybody a text message and, you know, just really enjoy the technology this morning with live links to the park and text messages to everybody. I was going to get you to turn your phones on and for the whole room to go ping at the same time. Oh, well. Take a screenshot, if you can, or just get the idea in your head. You have asked the Holy Spirit to bring someone to your mind. Now, would you be courageous enough to co-labor with God, who has put that person in your mind, and to send them a little text message. I'm loving people taking photographs right now. This is great. And just say to them, hey, now, you don't have to use my words. These are, these are the kind of words I might use on a text message. I found myself thinking about you earlier today, and I just felt like I should pray for you. Is there anything that you'd like me to be praying for you about? No worries if not. Just thought it was worth the ask. Much love. And then you put your name in there. Really simple. Okay, I will send this as soon as I get as soon as I get a signal. I'm going to send it. So look out for it probably on your drive home today. Whatever you'll get a text message from me. The idea: copy, paste it, fill in the blanks, hit send. It takes three seconds, maybe ten seconds of courage. That's all. Not asking you to be courage courageous for 24 hours or for your whole life. It takes ten seconds of courage. Dare you, rev young people sitting at the back over there? I dare you. Send that to somebody, not to your best buddy who is sitting next to you right now. I can see it on your faces that that's what you're thinking about. Send it to somebody that the Holy Spirit put on your mind. So we're thinking about prayer. And I want to tell you a story, a little, little case study in prayer. Okay? It's a, a case study in, about, about praying for healing, actually, and deliverance. 
And there was a, there was a young boy who had really severe, uh, it was like epilepsy. Doctors really didn't know what it was, but it, it presented like epilepsy. And this kid would have just the most awful, awful seizures. And, and it was traumatic to look at. I can't imagine as a parent what it would be like to observe what this little, this little guy had to go through. And he'd had it for years and, and he'd hurt himself badly and he'd just be recovering and then he'd fall again and he'd hurt himself again. It was, it was traumatizing for his, for his parents. The dad heard about a church where they were beginning to see some, some real uh, steps forward in, in, uh, in seeing God's healing power break out. So the dad took this little boy, took his little son along to the church, along to this man of God and said, hey, look, please, please, would you, would you pray? And so after all of the meeting stuff had, had come to an end, this church leader, who'd seen a lot of, a lot of great results in his, in his prayer times, said, okay, um, yeah, let's pray. So he prayed and he prayed and he, he declared healing and he had faith for healing and he'd seen it before and he prayed it with all of his heart, all of his mind, all of his strength and nothing happened. And this little boy just looked bereft and the, the dad, you could see in the dad's eyes like he was, he was thinking, is, is that the best you can do? So he decided to go again and this, this church leader called another couple of guys on his team and said, come on, let's, let's go after this. And so they prayed again, and they really went for it. They, you know, they, they began to, to pray into the spiritual realm, began to bind the enemy's work, and all, like, let's face it, when we, when we pray like this sometimes, you kind of pull out all kinds of weird phrases, and don't, <laughs> maybe it's just me, but all, everything they could think of, and they prayed and prayed and prayed, and nothing happened. This little kid, you know, remained, remained the same. So they called another three of the leadership team of the church over this. There's now six of these of the team and the dad and a few people watching around the edges and this little kid, and this little kid goes into a, a, an attack in that moment, falls on the ground, and they're like, we're, we're not having that today. And they go after it again as a, as a group of six, and their faith begins to rise, and they pray, and they pray, and they pray, and nothing happens. He's still on the floor. What do you do in that moment? What do you do? They got another three guys. And they went for the fourth time. And they prayed. And this kid, just nothing, nothing changed. He was still bound up, still locked up in this seizure that turned his hands inwards and just left him in an absolute mess. Ask yourself, what would you do in that moment? It's funny I got upset about that because it's actually the story that's in Mark chapter 9 where a father brings his son who suffers epilepsy to the disciples. The disciples were the most qualified, most experienced people on the planet in seeing breakthrough and healing at that time. Now, Jesus and three other disciples were off up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He had Peter, James, and John with him. That's why there were nine left. These nine church leaders, they were left. And they went after it. And when Jesus came down, the disciples were like, Lord, this hasn't worked. This hasn't worked. I don't, don't know what's going on. Don't know what's going on. 
And as I put myself in that story and as I tried to frame it so that you could put yourself in that story, I thought to myself, now if I was the church leader in that scenario, I probably wouldn't have gone beyond going after it the second time because I'd be concerned pastorally for the welfare of this little boy. Um, the third time, getting more people to pray, I probably would be like, you know what, this is just, it's not going to happen. I'd probably begin to say some nice, kind words of, well, maybe it's not God's timing. You ever said that? Ever said that? I've said that. The provocation of this story to me is that the disciples prayed and prayed, and then when, G when nothing happened and, and they saw Jesus, they didn't stop they said to Jesus, why not? And when it comes to our praying, sometimes we pray for stuff and we don't see the breakthrough that we long for and we quickly excuse ourselves and we quickly invent theological arguments that will cause us to feel good about stopping going after the breakthrough that we're looking for. I wonder, are you in that situation? Have you been in that situation? I know I've been in that situation. And I know right now that there are situations that I'm praying for that I haven't seen the breakthrough for. And I know there's a voice in the back of my head from the enemy saying, give up, it's not going to happen. Give up, it's not going to happen. It's not God's will. And yet he calls himself healer. One of his biblical names is Baal Perazim, which means the God of breakthrough. All the names of God. Healer, deliverer, provider, protector. You name it, what do you need? What does your heart long for? It's in his name, therefore, we go after it in prayer. Therefore, we can expect to see him answer. And when, it doesn't, when he doesn't answer, what do we do? We learn from the disciples. When Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they said to him, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? And Jesus said, this kind can be cast out only by prayer, and some translations of the Bible say prayer and fasting. The first thing, when you don't see your prayers answered, don't be in a hurry to invent theological excuses. If you're in that place right now, if you have excused yourself from continuing to pray, just say sorry to God and keep going. Just say, okay, God, I'm going to go again because I see in your nature that you are good, that you are trustworthy, that you are kind. You invite us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. This stuff does not reflect your nature. Therefore, I'm going to pray. I'm going to go again. I'm not going to theologically excuse myself or pastorally excuse myself and say it's all right to stop. The second thing that the disciples did was they took it up with Jesus. And if you are in that situation where you are praying or you have prayed for something and it has not happened, I've seen many of these, and some of them feel quite final, take it up with Jesus. Go back to him again and say, Jesus, why not? Why, why over there and not here? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Scripture tells us that he, is no, he does not prefer one person over another. So take it up with Jesus. Go back to him and say, Lord, you've told us to pray. You've told us to persevere. I want to persevere with you. 
I want to go after this with you. Now, interestingly enough, Jesus in these verses replies to his disciples and says, this kind, because he was dealing with an evil spirit, he says, this kind cannot come out except by prayer and fasting. What would you have expected Jesus to do immediately next with his disciples? Let's get together, guys, and have a prayer meeting. Let's start fasting for a week or so, and then we'll go find that guy. We'll go find his kid, and we'll pray again. He doesn't do that. Jesus just goes straight in. He just walks straight over there, lays his hand on the child, rebukes the evil spirit, and the child is immediately well. Immediately well. So what's this about this kind only come out by prayer and fasting? Hmm. What's your prayer life look like? I wonder. Mine looks like that. Total transparency this morning. Commitment to prayer up one axis and time along the bottom axis. And my prayer, my commitment to prayer is like up and down and up and down and up and down. I expect that yours is kind of similar. Maybe I'm being harsh. Maybe some of you guys are like just complete saints. The peaks come when the crisis hits. We pray because there's a crisis. This kind come out only by prayer and fasting. Am I in a crisis? Therefore, I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast because there's a crisis, because something has come against me and I, I detest it. I'm not experiencing the freedom that Christ has won for me. I'm going to pray. It's never wrong to choose to pray. Don't hear me wrong. But I don't think that Jesus was encouraging us to have this kind of peaks and troughs prayer life where we pray one minute and we don't pray for a season, and then we pray again like crazy. Jesus was saying to his disciples, actually, I want you to have prayer lives, devotional lives with me that are characterized by prayer and fasting. I heard a quote, and I don't quite remember where. It's something like this. I tell you what, I should just put my name under it, and then it'll look like I'm really wise. Jesus did not pray and fast because of a problem. Jesus prayed and fasted into a lifestyle which positioned him to deal with any situation. And the call for us as his church in this nation is to be people whose lives are so characterized by prayer and fasting and the whole life of devotion that is laid before us that no matter what circumstance, no matter what crisis occurs, we've got it in the bank. Our, our hearts are already firmly engaged in the unseen realm. We are already connected strongly into the Godhead, into his power and his authority. You know, show me someone who prays no matter what the situation, and I'll show you someone who is ready for any situation. I'm privileged to know some people in this room who are like that. I know their lives are, are just characterized by prayer. They know their God. They know who he is for them. And it is beautiful as a result. You know, fasting is not a hunger strike. It's simply a declaration of saying, I am going to fix my eyes into the unseen realm. Scripture calls us believers for a reason. It's not about what we can see and do and do with our bare hands. It's about engaging in the unseen realm. So 
So this is what Jesus is looking for in his church. And I want to put this before us as a little bit of a provocation and a call. That we will be a people whose average prayer life is pushing up and pushing up. Because as it does so, we'll be ready to demonstrate his glory in the world around us. Because your whole life will be anchored firmly into the realm of heaven. The possibilities of our king, of his glory. That's where he wants us to be. That's where he wants us to be. It's time for us to move across into the enemy half. It's time for us as a church not simply to settle for a nil-nil draw or the odd two-nil defeat. And we kind of write that off as, oh, well, you know, it's tough out there. It's time for us to engage in the unseen by praying with passion, with, by fasting so that our focus shifts from all of the gizmos and gadgets that we fill our lives with, all of that distraction, and our focus shifts across into the unseen realm of the Spirit and the possibilities of heaven. That's where he wants us to be. And so with that in mind, Susan has already mentioned a wonderful crafty Christmas event where we're going to have loads of people. Over the day, it's usually well over a few hundred people come through here. Don't want to exaggerate it. But at the same time, we're going to have two stalls out in the marketplace there. One of them is going to be all games and all fun and designed to just bless young families. Every other stall in the marketplace charges them four quid, five quid for the, for the pleasure. We're going to do it all for free. We're going to give them sweets for free. We're going to let them play games for free. We're just going to have fun. And next to that stall, we're going to have another stall, which is going to have a big banner outside it saying healing. And our desire is to stop people in the street and just say, hey, is there anything for you or a family member that we can pray for, that we, we can see God bring healing to? Because he is the God who heals. He is the God who transforms. He is the one who brings hope to hopeless situations. We've done this kind of stuff before, and I can't wait to do it again. If you want to do it with us, we're going to do one evening of training. Neil, who got up here and prayed for us so fantastically a little while ago, he's going to be running it. That's his email address up there. Neil would love to hear from you. It doesn't say tone ilk. It says to Neil K. Took me a while to work it out. <laughs> he would love to hear from you. Because we want to reflect Jesus out into this community. We want to display his glory all around us. And it's, it's not about ones and, ones and twos of us who happen to get paid to be here. It's about all of us. All of us stepping out and being his hands and feet. So we're going we're gonna to close there, but what I want us to do, we've talked a fair bit about healing this morning. There's been some, you know, some, some stuff that I've shared that has been provoking us to believe this God for stuff in the unseen. Uh, and I just want us, in the time that we've got left, I want to activate this whole body in praying for one another for breakthrough in healing. So if, if this morning you personally or a member of your family or a close friend is in need of any kind of healing. It could be emotional brokenness. Any, let's use the word brokenness. Any kind of brokenness. It can be physical, it can be emotional, 
whatever it may be. If that's you, just stand up for us, would you? That'd be, that'd be great. Go for it. Thank you.